Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode three, season two. Don't trust the punch. Yeah. I am your host, G Roculus, joined by the lovely chocolate and benevolent Senator Scott and J.E. from the nasty natty of the brew podcast stolen by Don't Trust the Punch podcast. <laughs> Longest intro ever. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Fellas, how you doing? Good, man. Good. Enjoyed this holiday weekend. Been relaxing all day. Now ready to pod. You did? Yeah, man. Same here, man. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be here, gentlemen. Glad to be here with you. You could be anywhere else in the world, but you're here with me. I got them right. That. Uh, so a couple of things. I wanted to just ask you a question, uh, speaking about having kind of a good day and a good weekend. What are some things, if you had to make a short list of like three to five things that maybe when you're, when you're not having a good day or when, you know, it's just things are hard, what are three to five go-to things, right, that give you joy? That's like makes you like fills you kind of things in your happy space if you create like a happy room right that you can go to when stuff is hard what are three to five things you would decorate your happy space with hmm. music any any artists in particular or type of music um no i would just say any of my favorites and i have a long list of favorites but yeah, music is just my go-to when I need to change my mood. Like even, mm -hmm. like sometimes, you know how like some people like sad music can make them sad or stuff like that. But even if I'm in a bad mood, sometimes a, a sad song or a song about a sad situation could even lift my spirit. So mm -hmm. I feel music, that way you know, about Kendrick Lamar's feel, but keep going. Yeah, yeah. So, so music is number one. Um, sports whether it's me participating in it or just watching uh especially basketball um basketball is I've, I've loved that sport since i was a child so watching or playing basketball is is second i would say um and then now i'm, I'm really into like working out and stuff so that really helps me you know get out of uh, you know, my head as well, like going in, getting a good workout in. I got a great one in yesterday before I went to the cookout and it just set it set up the day, set up my mood for the rest of the rest of the day. Yeah. Rock, what about you? Go ahead, G-Rock. Yeah, so music off rip, definitely uh, working out, getting active. I do a lot of running and stuff like that, but I want to get back on my swim ish this year. I like a good steam room. I don't always have um you know, access to a steam room, but at a resort or a hotel or whatever that has a, a steam room and not a sauna. Um, and not that I'm opposed to a sauna, but specifically a steam room. I really like that. So uh, how I get my steam room treatment a lot of times is I'll do like a shower or whatever. And all the doors are closed, closet door, bathroom door, all that. And just take a long shower and just it's after, you know, even after cleaning, it's just very relaxing for me. Um, also too, a massage, something I don't get often, but yeah, man, just kind of talking before we was talking um, offline or whatever. It's just like being held or being touched. It's just like I'm, I'm noticing like that's something that, you know, I never paid attention to like love languages and different things like that. But that's just something that I, I've noticed that it's just like it's just 
beyond like being sore it's just very very relaxing um music if i didn't already say that and yeah i would those would be the top things like off top that's going 100 just get me like in a in a better space and make me feel better that's what's up that's what's up yeah i've been thinking about like even as the summer approaches for me as an educator the summer throughout my career has been kind of this mixed bag of like if I'm not intentional about it it can be that much free time that much idle time can just be really dangerous for me um also though it's like it can be like a guilt factor because I feel like I should fill it with things and be active and so if I don't accomplish things or I don't fill it with stuff then I feel guilty and then on top of that it's like I don't feel like I did any of the stuff that I want desire or really wanted to do when the school year starts again and I'm back having to just have 50, 50 limb things on my plate. Right. So, but as I just been thinking about that and like how to like continue to keep my mind and my spirit encouraged or whatever, like having to decorate a happy space, you know, and put, Mm -hmm. put things in it that are genuinely joyful. Like, I think we all have some canned joy, right? Like, I can think of joy in a can for me, you know what I'm saying? And I think for me throughout my history, like that's, that's been drugs. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, especially we, you know what I'm saying? Um, But as I, as I get older and as I'm trying to just mature to walk in a a more balanced mind where I don't have to reach for artificial joy. Right. Um, Yeah. Just trying to figure out what are those things that really fill me and keep me satisfied, man. Um, And some of it, I guess, I don't know, like we think about like we mentioned, we all mentioned music and its forms of entertainment, I guess, to a certain way we could say that's like can joy. But maybe like those things are also a part of real just real life. Like and I'm a person that really loves um, entertainment. Um, So, yeah, music would be one. and I'm just like you, Josh, it doesn't really I have any of my favorites. Like I just there's a yeah. lot of music that I like. Um, and sometimes even a song that could be sad or the blues can make me feel really, you know, I, it touches if it touches my soul. Then I'm probably, you know, I'm good with that. Yeah. Uh, I've also found that like Dave Chappelle is in my happy space, my happy place a lot. I can go and watch a Dave Chappelle stand up. Uh, or a lot of just black stand-up comedians and that like it just takes my mind away um what else is good long walks I did one of those like early Mm. in the morning and living where I'm living now here in Washington state oh my god and you would love it G-Rock I you know I I was gonna ask you have you gotten a chance to really get out into nature oh yeah oh yeah Yeah. I mean but that's the thing though when you live in Washington I mean minus living in like Seattle you're always kind of in nature bro like you know what i'm saying because the sound everything is around the puget sound on this side of the state and here in tacoma we have like a local park area called um point defiance which is basically this peninsula that reaches out in the sound matter of fact a couple of thursdays ago i saw a a humpback whale out there my first time seeing a whale in a while it's it's, bro it's just amazing so yesterday morning i got up super early at like six and took a really long walk like i just kept walking i probably all together maybe walk like four miles or whatever just to like the sound and just stood out there on this this pier man and just kind of like my feet dangling over the water or what man it was so it was that's awesome so, bro it's beautiful yeah. it's beautiful let me ask so. you this senator maybe you already know if you don't know you know i i, I typically lean on senator guys kind of like a parent he, he just i'm expecting him to know everything so with that being said what is it with water why is water so calming have you ever researched that do you do you have the answer to that it's something that's so 
you know, so much serenity around just being around water. That's just like, like you said, the stress or whatever, you know, when we were living in Switzerland, go down to Vivay, it was like set on Lake Geneva and Vivay is uh, in Switzerland and right across the lake was France. Mm -hmm. And bro, it was just no matter to your point on this question, no matter how I felt, I could go down there and just like, bro, whatever you got going on in life, it, it, trust me, bro, it can't be that bad. Like, look at this. It just was, bro, it was, it's, it was something very magical and probably even spiritual involved, bro. Yeah. For most people, I think water just stands as that symbol. We know, like, we can think of, like, all the ancient stories and just, I mean, even in the Bible, what water can symbolize in terms of life and cleansing and new life and all that renewal. Um, and even we think about it physically, like rain or washing our bodies or crying, right? Like, it's just this rejuvenating, like, water is life in many ways. But I think the kind of the serenity that comes with it is, like, the movement like that constant ebb and flow of it. It's almost as if like, it's like your breath, you like breathe in harmony with this mm. ebb and flow. And I also feel like there's a part of it that since there are bodies internally are like 75% water, just like this planet is 75% water. I think there's a synchronization that happens internally within us where our something, the rhythm in our bodies kind of moves in line and in rhythm with the water as well. Um, so I have a good friend of mine, like, you know, she just, she loves, she loves the water and it fills her. For me, you know, deep water, especially, I, I like looking at it to a certain extent, but it's, I mean, it's, that's probably my biggest fear, mm. you know? And so the thing about Washington state that thrills me the most is the mountains. Like anytime I'm driving into work and I can see Mount Rainier, bro, it's just, I'm just, I'm like a kid every, and it's beautiful every single time every single time that's awesome <clears throat> that was yeah. something also too worth adding is that i noticed one i've always loved outdoors i love nature hikes just being out and about it doesn't even have to be in a park or anything just being outside but i noticed during the pandemic i guess because of people uh, limitations to being able to go out and do things that they enjoy a lot of people seem to have gotten in touch with the na with nature and going on hikes and just being outside and that's, that's a beautiful thing because it just ties back down to like, you know, just the basics of, the, you know, just life and earth in itself or whatever and not like overcomplicating things and just being able to go, like you said, to the park or going out by the water and just being like, ah, oh, man, this is so this is so nice and not being able to really pinpoint why, but just seeing like people saying it's help, helping with their mental health or whatever. But um, mm -hmm. I just want to add that because that, that's definitely something I, I should have said. But go ahead, Josh. Oh, so I was just going to say, man. Like my ankles messed up and I haven't been out, been able to get out there and run. And that running is super therapeutic. Like I've, I never thought I would be running like tens of miles a week. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I can't wait to get back out there. But, um, Senator, are you off for like the summer? Yeah. So I'll be off for the month of July and most of August, probably to like the last week or two of August. Okay. Um, I got some stuff built in though. Like I've, I got some really, really good summer plans uh, yeah. built in. My mom will be here that the day after the 4th of July until the following Tuesday. So she'll be in town for a week. So I'm excited about that. And then I'll be in Chicago. It's my first time in Chicago at the end of July mm -hmm. as well. And so lots of friends. I've made a lot of good friends and relationships here so far. So I'll be doing barbecues with them and outdoor yeah. movie type stuff. And yeah, I've got, I've got plans to keep myself. That's nice. So do you, so in that time, 
um, do you like find other ways of income, like just extra? So, so far throughout my career, I've been blessed enough to get paid over the summer. Oh, okay. um, you know, and that's not the case for every teacher. Some teachers are on what they call 10 month contracts. Right. So yeah. then those two months over the summer, you know, you kind of on your own or you stack up well enough um, so that when the summertime comes, you know, you got you got extra money. Um, but I try not to fill my summer up with work yeah. just because you, you have to take a Sabbath, man. And I yeah. believe very strongly in, in, in sabbaticals and in, in Sabbathing, even during the week. Like you ain't got to wait to, you know, be like, oh, I've, I've worked for now all these years and now I'm going to take a vacation. I've worked all these months and now I'm going to take a Now, I believe you, there's a reason why it's built into the rhythm. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. think of our life like you need to rest. Yeah. So. <clears throat> I have a quick question too before we go mm-hmm. to whatever's next. Josh, you have more experience than us here on podcasting. And I was just thinking about thinking about this before I even got on, before we was prepping, um, or while we were prepping about podcast etiquette. Like I just clearly got up, turned the TV off. I'm just <laughs> thinking, like, what if I had to go to the bathroom? What if I wanted to refill my cup? Don't worry about what's in my cup. It's my cup. You know, so I just think about all these different things. Like, what if I wanted to eat while I was on the podcast? Is there any particular podcast etiquette from your experience? Yeah, especially with with our cameras on now. So you try not to you try not to get up. You try to have everything set up before. But even me, like Jason came and talked to me at the beginning. So I I, I muted myself. So so it wouldn't be, you know, picked up. But mm-hmm. You know, you just try to make things work as best as possible. Like if something happens, mute yourself if you need to. If you got to get up, just get up. Come back like nothing ever happened. <laughs> yeah. I was just wondering because I've, I've watched. Um, I'm not a I am not a big podcast uh, consumer, but I've watched enough podcasts. And so I, I remember watching Joe Budden. He was interviewing Salehi Bimberry for the people that are listening that don't know who that is. He is a uh, designer who has worked with Yeezy and Payless, Versace, Dame Dash, and now he's doing his own independent thing and just making big splashes and ways with throughout footwear design. Mm-hmm. He's a big fan of the Joe Budden podcast, and at like at one point he was like, "Yo, I gotta go to the bathroom." Like, and he just you know saying he got up and he went to the bathroom. He came back, and I was just like, "I don't know, is that like?" Because I just feel like this is such a like, like I was you 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 can be professional, but it's not like typical Oprah Winfrey, that type of situation where you you know you're not getting up. They are going to be edited out. We're not going to see that. But I was just wondering, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm glad that I ate before we started, but I was prepared to eat while we were here. But I also didn't know the (laughs) etiquette. Like I have not been have not been trained on table manners on podcasts. And so I'm being funny, but I'm also being serious. If, if, if there are any type of, you know, it, it, if there is any type of etiquette when it comes to podcasts and ours, it kind of just like depending on how, what's the feel and the flow of your podcast. Like if this was a more serious financial, just something that we're talking about. Like, I, I feel like we just are on here kind of just like shooting the shit as friends, having a good time. So therefore it might not be like that big of a deal. But that's why I ask, because you're like, nah, typically across the board, it's just like these are some of the things you do and these are some of the things that you don't do. Yeah. So I think I think with us, I think it's more lenient. But like, say we had a guest on or something like that, I think we would want to, you know, be super respectful of them and, Mm -hmm. you know, not, you know, walk off camera or anything like that. Um, But with us, I feel like 
we're understandable. You know, we got things going on. We got families and all of that. So if we got to, you know, do something real quick, we just do it and come back. Okay. And I'm yeah. asking too, like, just so I can have that information, like moving forward. Yeah. Like I typically didn't, I didn't even want to get up just then, but the sound bar is on. And so yeah. I don't even know. Could y'all, could y'all hear my music? Nah. Oh, good. I wasn't sure. I didn't, I didn't want to like continue recording. Y'all be like, damn, man, what's that music in the background this whole time or whatever? Yeah. Because I like the um the visual from the lo-fi channels that I play on YouTube, but the sound bar is on. And it was just it was just a little louder than I wanted it to be for my background. I usually just have it like down on one and it's just like very, very low. But with the sound bar on, it was just like kind of annoying. And I wasn't sure if y'all could hear it. But speaking on this question, they want to be like, hey, man, y'all hear my music in the back. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, just, I just, yeah, <laughs> I think the key is also like because there's three of us, then one of us could step away and the conversation can keep going. Right. Yeah. Um. And if you go to the bathroom, I think the important thing is to make sure you actually come back because that was like the headline. I remember, earliest, yeah, on eighty five <laughs> South, like, but it just it never came back, and it's like, did you hear his reason for not not coming back? No, what was his reason? He was like, man, you know, like, you know, I think <laughs> first of all, I think the, he said that he was like, do the impression when you do. <laughs> I, I think he said like one. I think he was just like like zooted. Like I think yeah, he was like he completely <laughs> zooted. And he was like, it's just like one of them things. He's like, it was nothing against the homies because them my homies or whatever. He's like, but I just like got up and I just felt the urge like it, it's time to go. It was just very like it was not a like a very um good reason. It for, was it you know, like something like, happened with a family member. He was like, basically, bro, I'm I'm, I'm done here. I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm high <laughs> on my mind, and I've said all I need to say, and I'm ready to get up out of here or whatever. But it kind of sounded like. It was one of those. He was so high that he forgot to go back. Like he he got done using the bathroom and he just said like he just got in his car and he and just pulled. Forgot. Yeah. Like, <laughs> man, yeah, don't do crazy. don't do that. Don't do that. No, I mean, um, I'm de I, I definitely I definitely wouldn't do that. And just before we transition to the next question, even talking about getting up in the middle of like some type of live viewing or streaming or recording makes me think about verses. I think that. um. I think it was the ver the old school verses before the production and stuff, like back when everybody was watching on Instagram. Yeah. I, I can't remember who it was. I want to say it was like either like T-Pain or Lil Jon or maybe even Timbaland in, in, in uh, Swiss Beats. It mm. might have been Timbaland and Swiss Beats. I think somebody it was the first one, the, yeah. Yeah, somebody went to the restroom and came back like super quick and all the comments was like, yeah, that nigga didn't wash his hands. That nigga didn't wash his hands. <laughs> <laughs> He's like super quick, bro. So, yeah, man, if you're gonna go to the bathroom, wash your hands, and like Senator said, definitely come back. Come back. Yeah. Well, speaking of verses, then we'll slide into that for our first topic. This week, there were a couple of uh, big moments last Thursday for hip hop. And one of them was, especially if you're a Southern hip hop fan, uh, Eight Ball and MJG versus Underground Kings. Um, I still, you know, again, forgive me, have not watched it yet. I'll probably do that maybe tonight as I as I lay down. How was it, gentlemen? Uh, and what is what's your scorecard? What were standout performances, highlights from another classic versus? I was not I wasn't keeping score, but I liked it. Um, it's to start off. It kind of started off kind of flat, I would say, but they picked it up. Um, as time went on and I want to say, man, I know them guys 50, if not, you know, they damn near 50, if not 50 plus. And 
A-Bot and MJG, they had the, the background track plan, but, man, they weren't missing no words, man. And Bun wasn't missing no words. Bun didn't even have the background vocals. Mm-hmm. I think he had them when he was performing Pimp C's verses, but for his own verses, he didn't even have the background vocals, and he wasn't missing a word. Nice. So I, I just think it was just a, you know, a great show of, you know, just – Artists growing old in hip hop, man. I I like seeing that. I like seeing these older artists being able to, you know, just showcase their catalog and their skill set. And, you know, just. It's just amazing, man. Um, Where was it held? It was in Atlanta. It was in Atlanta. I'm a bigger UGK. UGK like is damn near this close to me when it comes to like Outkast and UGK is my favorite group. So I'm a bigger UGK fan, but I'm a big eight ball and MJG fan as well. I think I might've said this last season. Um, Cincinnati, I don't know. There's like a strong connection with the South uh, in Cincinnati. Like a lot of us, we really love Southern music. So like when I was growing up, my brother, my brother is like 10 years older than me. So you know, when I was growing up, he would have the UGK CDs, the A-Bahn MJGs and all of that stuff. So obviously that's what I gravitated towards, because if I'm riding in the car with him, he that's what he's playing. And, you know, the CDs just around the house sometimes. So so it was it, it was one of my favorite verses. I've been wanting it to happen for a long time. You know, it just of course, it just would have been 100 times better if, if the late great Pimp C was alive. Rest in peace to Pimp C. <laughs> yeah. What you think, G Rock? Yeah, I wasn't keeping score. For me, it was just a homage. It was a homage um, episode or yeah, episode of of um, verses. Just to see UGK and Eight Ball and MJG, two groups that were highly like underground up until UGK did the song with Jay Z, Big Pimpin', mm-hmm. and then of course they did you know everybody's favorite song, right? International Players Anthem. And then you had A-Ball and MJG saw a little bit more notoriety and mainstream looks when they signed with Bad Boy South. And that was a very short run, but they were actually playing that at this time, BET started playing Southern uh, artists on on their um, station. So for me, I wasn't keeping score. I never looked at it as a competition. It was just like a homage situation where it was like a... I don't know, high school 30th reunion. Yeah. And um, yeah, y'all coming through and y'all showing love. Like Josh said, it would have been 10 times better. Pimp C was there. You know, when I when I started watching, I didn't see it from the very, very beginning, but maybe 10, 15 minutes in, it was flat. And I was a little disappointed because I was like, damn, where's the energy? But it did pick up and they, I, it, you got more of a performance element out of it than just them standing around trying to look cool. When, as a matter of fact, I came in and they were doing show enough. Tila was on stage. And I thought that was hard because that beat to this day is still like, shout out J- uh, Jazzy Faye, I believe, did that production. I know he's on the hook, but that's when I came in. And this I has like, been another Jazzy Faye production. Oh, it's yeah. like he had really cool drops. But um, um, Jazzy Faye definitely did his thing for sure. But um, yeah, overall, that's, that's all I really got to say. I, I was just proud as a southerner to see two groups that was once upon a time like highly underground that saw success that's still doing their thing like josh said they're, they're still sharp lyrically they're still 
Um, none of you didn't get the vibe that they were washed, especially MJG. MJG is is aging. He's aging well. You know yes, what I'm saying? yes, he is taking um, care of himself. Mm-hmm. And that man and can Bun, rap, can rap, can rap. Like yeah. I, I can't. Rough control really think, was on point for everybody. I can't yeah. really think of a bad MJG verse. Yeah, and and, um, and he has one of the dopest voices as well in hip hop. <clears> like, yeah, yeah. And then Bun B two, like Josh was saying, no background vocals and just his verse. Like for people who don't know, I'm gonna say two things and then we're gonna keep it moving. But his verse on Murderer. Mm-hmm. Gotta be yes. Gotta be jelly and smelly. Get belly, yeah. belly. <laughs> Gotta be. Gotta be in his top three illest verses, and he got some ill verses yes, out there. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And then the second thing I want to say is like I always was annoyed, and I don't know if I said this before on the podcast, but I've always I've always been annoyed with people who weren't truly invested in Southern hip hop. One. And then two specifically UGK. I, I would see, <laughs> I would see people say stuff like Pimp C can't rap. And I remember when he died. I remember when he died. And I remember being on blogs like, all right, two dope boys, smoking section, all that good stuff. And I remember seeing people's like, oh, RIP, but you know what I'm saying? He was a horrible rapper. He couldn't rap. I'm like, bro, y'all clearly wasn't listening to UGK. Y'all heard one song and maybe it wasn't like his best verse. It was just a little mm-hmm. bit more player. But bro, Pimp C. He got some verses and he can get busy, Charlotte. So right. I just like RIP Pimp, but that always annoyed me. It annoys me to hear people say that, that that Pimp C can't rap just as much as it annoys me to hear people act like Andre 3000 is is outcast. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, stop, yeah, stop disrespecting agree. Big Boy like that. I hate to hear those two things. It's like they're like, like Josh was saying with UGK and outcast for him, like they're like right there yeah. for me as, as, uh, when it comes to annoyance. So... I want to say this, man. I kind of think Pimp would even be like a bigger producer right now. Mm. Like the way he chopped his samples. Like, so I had like, I was listening to Graduation, right? And good, the Good Morning song. And I, I don't know. I think when that came out, I was in like high school and I just listened to that more. So like in the car and stuff. But like recently I gave it like a headphone listen and I'm listening to Good Morning and I'm hearing the bass line on that. And I'm like, that's a damn Pimp C bass line right there. Mm-hmm. Like, and I just would have loved to see where he would have took it production wise, who he would have collabed with and things like that, because I think he was a beast. He was a beast but with both things, but production, I think he was like even more underrated because his personality was always loved, but his production was crazy, man. So I think he would have been killing it in the production game right now. And I, I, I miss that. I can see that. Yeah, I, I think a lot that. of people forget that he could play instruments. You know what I'm saying? And he did. a. I mean, I don't know if he could read music, but he could play a variety mm-hmm. of instruments. Uh, and their production, UGK's production, like you go back to Super Tight, like he's doing all of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and even though we know that kind of that chop and screw sound was not something that originated with UGK by any means, um, but their take on it, their ability to, to kind of grow and actually add instrumentation to a different way of, of pitch down vocals or slowing down a track is indelible. And when you listen to the sound of music today, not even just that's this coming out of Houston or Memphis, but even stuff that ASAP Rocky is doing. Travis Scott, of course, is from Houston. 
you know, but a lot of artists, even Kanye, like stuff that you hear in drill music, a lot of these people are, are borrowing elements that Pimp C helped to pioneer. So yeah, no, I'm totally with you. I think Pimp C is a very underrated um, producer. I think MGK is a very underrated, excuse me, MJG, not MGK, sorry, MJG. <laughs> no, MJ, <laughs> MGK is exactly where he need to be. <laughs> but MJG, excuse me, is also a very underrated rapper, underappreciated rapper as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Shout out to Corey Moe as well. Shout out to DJ Screw. Shout out to just all of that that made, you know, that just for that amazing music that helped to make my the soundtrack to my teenage years. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, uh, any particular standout performances real quickly? Things I should look forward to when I when I watch it? I don't know. I'm gonna let, I'll let Josh answer that one because the stuff that I saw, I came in to show enough and I caught the tail end of it. Who else? I missed Lil Kiki came out. They yeah, said Lil I missed Kiki, that. Um, Big Boy came out. Yeah, I saw that. I um, saw that. That was at, yeah, towards the end. The Jazzy Faye joint. Um, that was show enough. Yeah, I, I feel like Bun could have called more favors, but I feel like he didn't. Um, he ain't, he could have called, um, <laughs> he could have called uh, Juicy J out um he could have had some people come out to support him but i think people thought he even said it during the show he was like y'all thought i was gonna have a bunch of people out here performing pimp c versus he was like hell nah we ain't doing that yeah like pimp can live on his own right so i think because people were zero would have been a nice would have been a nice pull out too zero would have been great Mm mm-hmm so I think because people might have been saying he was going to do that and that was going to help him win or something like that, he was like, nah, it's just going to be me. I'm only having, you know, Big Boy and Lil Kiki come out and that's yeah. it. Let me ask y'all this real quick before we before we keep it moving. Have y'all ever heard a song by UGK called Top Notch Holes? Yes. <laughs> yeah? Of course. Yes. Yeah? I'm just asking because I don't know that everybody <laughs> has heard Top Notch Holes. Because it was a weird thing, and I don't mean to get super nerdy, but if y'all if y'all remember, Josh, you might be, I don't know, you might be a little too young for this one. But when Dirty Money was supposed to come out, one, it took forever for Dirty Money to come out. There were multiple. I was waiting for Whitey to get my fucking paper straight. That's what, hey. that's what Pimp said. <laughs> yes, sir. There were several bootleg versions that came out before the official Dirty Money version. So there are songs on these different ones, depending on which discount model you bought them from. There are songs that never were on official officially released UGK projects. Mm-hmm. And, if, and to my knowledge, I think Top Notch Holes is one of them. I don't think Top Notch Holes is on any of their um, their albums. I'm going to fact check right now through um, title. But I was just wondering because it's, it's one of the illest. It's one of one of because they got a bunch of ill songs. But I was just I was just curious. I'm glad that y'all both have heard it. But no disrespect I, at all. When and I came know. across Top Notch Hoes in the like in the mixtape, kind of the tail end of the mixtape era. Like this was maybe like oh, maybe like oh nine or something like this. 
when I came across that song, just from like going to, uh, yep, going to gas zero, zero searches on titles. Yeah, so. going to like a gas station or whatever, and just buying those like CDs, like those mixtape CDs or whatever that used to be out there. And they had a UGK one, and I was like, okay, let me just see what random yeah. songs and how they're mixed and chopped up. And so I don't even know if the version of Top Notch Holes that I've heard is actually the one that you've heard because those you remember those boot. I'm sure it is though. CDs just used to have different production and beat jacking and all types yeah. of stuff. Yeah. So. Ain't no telling what I've heard, but definitely. I'm sure it is. And that's why I asked, because I felt like it was one of those underground UGK songs that everybody hasn't heard before or whatever. So I was hoping, because if y'all said no, I was definitely going to tell y'all go to YouTube and just bless y'all ear holes tonight. You know what I'm saying? Because it's, that mug is hard, bro. But like, yeah, I, just I, think, I think that might, it, it might be on like a Pimp C mixtape or something. I don't, I'm going to do some research after we get off of here and I might find it. But I used to be heavy on like the downloading music off the internet. So mm -hmm. I used to try to get artists like whole discography mm. and okay, you know, Josh. have everything. So, okay. Uh, and UGK got a lot of like uh, demos and stuff out there. Like even one of the versions. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was on there. Yeah. But not a UG because um, it's, it's pimp rapping the whole time. Yeah. But to, to send it to this point on the bootleg joints, it was. It was a UGK song or whatever. So that's yeah. that's probably what happened. But go ahead, Josh. So um I think I kind of lost my point. Damn, you were bad. talking about you were talking about downloading download a lot of music. Oh, download an entire discography. So yeah, like I would oh, and then I think even Bun performed like a demo version of it was either Pocket Full of Stones or something because I'm like rapping along and like the lyrics is different because it was the demo version. There's there's multiple versions of Pocket Full of Stones. There's yep. at least three different versions yep. of that song. Yeah. Um, and also Bun B, I don't know if this came out on one of his solo projects, but he's got a joint called The Story. Um, yep. That's on his this first album. OK, OK, OK. And that song is hard, too. All right. Well, another another thing, because now we nerding out real quick. Yeah. So they sample Patrice, uh, Patrice Russian. Looks like something's going wrong. Okay, okay, something's okay. Something's going wrong. So they got a UGK joint where on one version they got zero singing it. Mm -hmm. He's singing the same same joints that I was just singing, but then they got another version where there's a woman singing it. And the name of the song is ah uh, God, I can't think of the name of the song. I'm gonna send y'all the I'm gonna put the link in the in the group. But have y'all have y'all heard that? Does that sound familiar? Well, I know I'm familiar with the original version, that song that you were just singing. Yeah. I know that, but I'm not sure if I know the uh, UGK, the UGK version. version. Hard, because they got one version where Twister is on it. Wow. Have you ever think? We just say, have you ever thought about whose ass was your, who your uh, girl? Basically, who have you ever thought about who your girl belonged to before she was yours? And then they go because they was always talking about like pimp and player shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it, I just remember hearing that verse that like late teens or like early 20s it just made you like think not in a negative way but it's, they were trying to like kick game or whatever yeah, but regardless yeah. i want to get deep into the song i was just curious because we're talking about different versions right and songs that some mm -hmm. people never heard before like it definitely like clearly there are a bunch of ugk songs like that but even on this one i like the one without zero like i don't i don't dislike zero but i just like the original the one zero with is, the lady singing because that's the one i heard first amazing. yeah <laughs> his voice is amazing so I'm gonna put that in there because I feel like we've been on this for a minute, but I'm gonna I'm gonna drop that in there because y'all need to hear that. It's a fire song. Okay. All right. A ball MJG UGK versus Will Watch. Glad that you gentlemen enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Um, another thing that happened Thursday as well 
was Isaiah Rashad um, and Joe Budden sat down and had a very important conversation. It wasn't even really an interview. It was a conversation. And I, this is the first time that Isaiah has publicly spoken and opened up since the sex tape leak. Um, for listeners and people who are not, who may not know, um, Isaiah Rashad, who's one of our favorite rappers, young rapper from Chattanooga, Tennessee, signed to uh, Top Dog Entertainment, the same label that Kendrick and, and Schoolboy Q and Absol and other artists um, are signed to, or Kendrick just left. SZA, yeah. yeah, SZA um, is also signed to TDE. Uh, a, a, a tape leaked of Isaiah Rashad um, give, performing oral sex on another man. Um, and this was not like a... You know, it wasn't something I think Zay maybe was trying to hide. I don't know if he got outed um, because as they discussed in the interview, kind of like, bro, like, why why didn't you control that that footage? Like, why was that footage that you allow someone else to have? Mm -hmm. um, and we can talk about that conversation as well, G-Rock. Um, but since that that tape came out, which was or the footage of that came out, that was like, what, four months ago? Did that happen? Something like that, yeah. Uh, Isaiah Rashad hasn't officially spoken. Um, it took him to a dark place, as he talked about in this conversation, um, with, and which is scary because Isaiah Rashad has attempted suicide before. He's struggled through substance abuse and addiction. Um, he still, depression is something he's still been honest about that he struggles with as well. Um, and so this conversation really opened the door about a lot of those things and allowed us to kind of not only see into his mind and his life, and answer some questions for us. But I think it brings up some really interesting points about where the culture is right now. And when I say the culture, I mean both black culture, well, I mean black culture, hip hop culture, American kind of youth culture of conversations about sexuality, conversations about uh, mental health, uh, conversations about, um, yeah, how those the intersectionality between those two things. Um, what what were your thoughts so far, Josh? I know you said earlier that you've only maybe seen clips uh, mm -hmm. of it, but I'm sure you've seen the headlines, right? The takeaway headline from it, or I wouldn't say that was a takeaway headline, but that was the big headline they put out there. And G Rock, I know you you watched it. What were your impressions and thoughts? And then Josh, what were your impressions and thoughts from the clips? And then I'll I'll try to share a little bit. Okay. I'll kick it off. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a great conversation, first and foremost. It felt like a conversation. I enjoy interviews that just feel like they're just talking. One, and, I, and my thoughts may be all over the place, but one, I was surprised as they did it, like I told y'all. I didn't expect this at all. I still think, and I don't mind going on record saying this, I still think this is a part of, part of a bigger rebrand slash marketing strategy or plan for him as an artist. And because I just I just felt like this was his private business and that it was absolutely not necessary to speak on it. He opened up his Coachella performance with a montage, if you will, of just all the things that people were saying. Then he came out and performed. So in a way, he, that could have been his way of not necessarily addressing it, but like, hey, I'm aware that this tape leak, the person who put it out, you know, clearly, like he said in the interview, was trying to hurt my feelings. He was actually trying to hurt me. I'm not even ashamed so much of, of what I was doing, but it was like, it's, it was a private affair. It was a private act that was not meant for the world to see. So I was really shocked to see that he did the interview first and foremost. I thought it was a great conversation. I did still take away 
what I'm calling just a little bit of confusion. Not that he's confused about what happened, just more so confused about just being able to say exactly what it is or where he is. So he says that he's, I think, sexually fluid. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just like when Joe was asking him those specific questions, he was just like, oh, you know, if I walk in the room, I can't control who I'm attracted to. And that's that's perfectly fine. I have nothing against that. And he, by the way, he does not owe me an explanation, but just listening, trying to get, trying to understand more of what's going on in his head. I didn't, I did not fully get that Isaiah is even sure himself, which is why I call it just a bit of confusion. Um, and then overall, I would say like, you know, it definitely sucked to hear him talk about the impact that it had that's always greater than just you, right? What that meant for his family, what that means for his children, because the internet isn't going anywhere, right? So as, as people bring this stuff up to their his children, he has three children, by the way, in the future, like it just, it just sucks to have something so private um, be used against you to try to hurt you. And um, yeah, those, those were definitely my takeaways. The last thing I'll say is that I think that now that it's out there, Zay is a person that seems like he has a good a good sense of humor. I would 100% just use this as like a superpower. So not that you got to just get like, I don't know, because you got listeners that are still fans and then you got people that were supposedly fans that are no longer fans because I guess they're homophobic or whatever. They just, that that there was just a no-no. Hmm. Um, and I'm proud of myself and just maturing because I'm thinking like if I was much younger, that would have made me uncomfortable. And even me just being confused with manhood and who I am as a, as a person could have been immature and been like some of these other people or whatever. The same thing we saw with Frank Ocean when he came out and just like, bro, if that's how you get down, that's how you get down. But with that being said, I don't know how much y'all listen to Brockhampton, but the founder, Kevin Abstract, he's gay. He's, he's, he's come out and said it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I was, you know, again, and, I think, and makes it clear in his music. Like he doesn't shy yeah. away from writing verses. Yeah, he's like he has a he he has a as of this recording, he has a, a long time white partner male or whatever and he's like singing he's on one song he's like something 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 i just gave my nigga head i was like whoa you know what i'm saying but i just thought <laughs> i just thought that was funny because it was just like holy smokes batman it's like he's put they're they're pushing the envelope not to necessarily make you feel uncomfortable but like yo this is my truth and the other rappers rapping about smashing chicks and woo, 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 like bro i this is from my sexual you know preference this is what i did and so now that i'm just gonna beat that in y'all's head and just talk about it over the time but this is like I, it's, it's not a song where, I, where I'm even like so deep in my masculinity where I can't listen to it because it's one, it's a jamming ass song. He can rap his ass off and it's like, yo, that's your truth. So I say that to say, I, like, I think Zay should embrace this and make it his truth. And if he has like a tongue in cheek joke or sometimes want to have fun with the stuff that people are trying to use against him, it's just like, all right, shit, use that mug as ammunition. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. So based off the clips, I kind of get the same feeling you got g-rock like he doesn't really know himself like mm-hmm. i feel like if he i feel like that i'm sexually fluid answer was like a coached or rehearsed or practiced like you didn't want to say bisexual or yeah like want to because what did joe ask him was he pan pansexual or something yeah right, well joe something. was trying to distinguish the difference between pansexual and sexually fluid which there is a better definition from what from what I'm learning as well mm-hmm. um, between the two, um, but continue, Josh. But yeah, I, I I don't understand why he didn't just say bisexual. 
if or maybe that or maybe that's politically incorrect these days now. So I don't know. Maybe that's why he did it. I, maybe I need to educate myself. Yeah. But um, yeah, I feel like that if he would have came out and said that, that would have been a more clear answer. Um, but yeah, like I said, I didn't see the whole interview. I just seen the clips and I, that's what I kind of got from it. And it made me kind of not want to go watch the whole interview. Mm. Um, because I was, I found myself kind of cringing during the clips. Got you. Yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, the part where I disagree with you, G-Rock, is that I do think he had to do this, right? I think he needed to do this, not because he owed anyone an explanation, but because hip-hop needed this. Young people needed this conversation. Okay, he it, it was bigger than himself, you mean? Yes. Okay, yes. I was more so he didn't need to for his for the sake of his career. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, I got yeah. you. I, I, agree, I agree with that. Especially because Isaiah Rashad has been very vocal and open about his mental health issues. Um, I, there are a lot, a lot, a lot of lot. And I realize it's even more living in the Pacific Northwest where homelessness and people experiencing being unsheltered and mental health issues. There is a plurality of young people experiencing homelessness and who are unsheltered, who are members of the LGBTQ plus community because they've been kicked out of their homes, they've been shunned, they're transgender or whatever, and they haven't been able to get jobs or they're going through hormone changes or whatever the case. There is a sizable, and even in the sex worker industry, there is a sizable plurality of young people who are members of that community who are also in other oppressed and marginalized situations. Mm -hmm. um, and this isn't me trying to say that I think that you know, being gay, lesbian, bisexual, or transgender is a mental health issue. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that there's a lot of people who are in that community and have that sexual orientation who are also struggling, right? Especially young people who are also struggling with mental health issues because they haven't found a place to be open and to be honest and to express where they're at sexually and find acceptance and find wholeness or healing. Right. If that's the case, because some some of it. Right. Maybe not all of it. But in some of those situations, I believe people's sexuality and this is not just for people who are homosexual, even heterosexual. Our sexuality is broken. I mean, for us as black men, you know, even if you're heterosexual, if you've spent any amount of time in your long, young life exposed to porn. Like I was exposed to pornography before I was 13 years old. Same. And what that has done to my mind and my image and the stuff that I've had to wrestle with about my body, about how I see women, about what I think about sex and sexual performance and what all that's supposed to mean. And the, and the conflation that happens between sex and love for a lot of our, our young people is driving people nuts. It's driving people batty. You know, and then if you have a sexual persuasion that isn't in line with your upbringing or your or your your faith or your religious upbringing, now you've got all of this mental and cognitive dissonance about who you are as a person and you don't have safe spaces to go or to talk to. And so I think for him to be this guy who's who's cool, you he ain't no lame nigga, you know what I'm saying? So for him to be a cool black dude who's young, who's hip, who has children to be able to talk about, hey, I'm going through both of these things, I think was brave of him, but also opens up the floor, especially in hip hop, 
that has been notoriously homophobic. I mean, the most homophobic people on this planet are probably black men. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So the conversation at some Is point- Is any particular reason? You could finish what you're gonna say, but I would love to hear if, if you think there's a reason behind it. I was just gonna say at some point we need to have the conversation because I think that Kendrick touches, touches on this in his album too. I mean, slavery is a part of it, right? Because when you visual, when you have to, when you're forced to watch rape, participate in rape, see and have your, your masculinity and have even have that stripped from you because your wife at any moment or the woman you love or your mother or your sister can be separated from you, raped, whatever. And then when we think about the deterioration of the black family that comes from that over the centuries or whatever in this country, um, I just think we our image of masculinity is I have to always be strong. I have to always be strong. I have to always be overconfident and cocky. I got to be braggadocious. Right. And I and I assess my sexual prowess and I and I assess my my masculinity by how many women I sleep with, how many women I can collect. Mm. Like future is crying out for help. You're down near 40 years old. You're talking about collecting women. And you got umpteen children by different women. Again, not trying to, you know, just at some point, like we got to grow up. You know, and so I think there's a lot of that that happens with us to where the image, you know, and I think prison is also another part of it to be exposed to that, whether you, how many brothers or what, you know, have done time and love to come out and talk about, Hey, I didn't snitch and I've done this amount of time and I'm a real OG. And how many of them were sexually assaulted while they were in jail? Hmm. And, and folks just, you ain't gonna talk about that part of it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, and, and then the other thing that, that Kendrick touches on that I think is also a real part, how many black men have been sexually assaulted as children? And you can't talk about that. So I think this hyper masculinity that is especially prevalent within hip hop culture because it's a male dominated um, culture and cultural phenomenon and expression, right? I think the idea is I got it to be a man and to be a cool black, strong black man means I've got to, you know, Talk about how many women I sleep with. I've got to have all of these accessories, whether it's jewelry or cars or the money that I'm flashing, because it makes me feel big. It makes me feel competent. It makes me feel strong. Um, yeah, and I've got to I've got to have muscles, or I got to you know my body image has to look like such, right? Like I just think there's a lot of that stuff that is oppressive to a lot of people, but in a community like ours that's already marginalized and oppressed and has had the humanity beaten out of us. Like, I think that that's a, I mean, it's just a major issue. And I think for us, we're afraid. We're afraid to have that conversation because we're afraid to be vulnerable. And that if we are vulnerable, who's going to listen? Who, who really even gives a damn about me? Hmm. And that's, I think that's, that's why it was important for Zay to open up and to have that conversation. Um, so I think with the sexually fluid part of it, I think we got to remember like Zay's 30 years old. So him trying to understand him, and he's a 30-year-old Black man from Chattanooga. So him having people around him that he can have conversations with about his sexuality or when he started to have same-sex attraction or whatever, who was there that he could talk to about? Mm -hmm. 
you know, and and so him just now, like he's saying, like his relationship partner that he's with now, who is a woman, like she's open and now he's doing research and he's learning and he's exploring partly probably because now he feels like he has to because maybe he's been outed. I don't know if the tape was an outing, like he said, his partners, people who know him close have known this about him. Right. But um, now that he's got to kind of like, OK, there's always going to be that thought, that question about you. And he's like, well, I got to. I have to fully integrate this into who I am. I got to fully understand and uh, accept this or deal with this part of me and it not just be this thing I do when I'm high or I'm having fun or and then I feel shame about or I don't. And he said he doesn't feel shame, but which is probably why he let somebody handle the tape. But to me, yeah. if you're doing that, you're also not being sexually wise. Mm-hmm. You know, and so there's that whole still you're young making those sort of young, dumb decisions. You know, if you're going to be voyeuristic or exhibitionist and, and you want to be recorded doing sexual acts, you need to be careful about your your private business. Yeah. You know? Control the content, especially like exactly. you're in a you're in a space where you can't move recklessly mm-hmm. and be irresponsible because, it's again, it's bigger than just your That's right. gratification. You know, this this is something that could, you know, it's like not to bring anybody else in this, but it's the same situation that was going on with Kim with whatever this second rumored tape was that they were threatening to put out you know because she's she's aware like yo this is several years later i have four children Who, that you are talking gonna... little, you talking about little kim no kim kardashian sorry oh, okay bad. okay okay i just thought we, she was at the place now when she just we just you know she's kim kim k but um i might have known kim k yeah but you know just to your point you got to be careful with that type of stuff man because it's bigger than you at that particular moment, like a lot of people talk about this OnlyFans generation now, you know, it's cool to make a quick buck, but it's just like, is this something that is this something that you want your children? I think that's always been the biggest question with any type of nudity of posing for Playboy or whoever to doing porn or whatever. You know, it's just like, is this something you're, that you're going to want your children to see? It's going to live forever. You know, the content doesn't just disappear. And if your answer is, yeah, you're okay, maybe I don't want them to see it, but I'm okay if they see it, then do your thing. But for Zay and anybody else like that, that's your private business. Like, you should definitely be in control of it because, like Joe was saying, it's like, bro, you letting them walk around with this type of stuff? Like, mentally, I couldn't even really function just knowing that at the drop of a dime, they could just press a button and... Me and my most compromised or vulnerable moment is out there for the world to see. Uh... Yeah, I mean, I have other things when it comes to like sex and stuff that I've been thinking about and having to deal with and accept in my own self. But I mean, when it comes to pornography and all that sort of sexual, I I call it all sexual exploitation, because, you know, if you talk to a lot and you kind of look inside like the sex worker and the sex, the pornography industry, a lot of those people who run that industry are sexual predators. That's number one. Hmm. And a lot of those women and a lot of those men have been sexually exploited, you know, and not to mention what the effect that it has on the consumer. That stuff reroutes your brain. Mm -hmm. Literally, they've done too many studies, neurological studies. It changes your brain patterns. It is more your brain emits as much endorphins and as much like serotonin and all that stuff, dopamine, as it it's equivalent to crack cocaine. I could believe so, that because look at so the addiction people, that people have. That's what that's what I'm saying. So the whole thing of being a sex worker and doing that, no one, no one is born, no little girl grows up and says, oh, I want to be a hoe when I grow up. 
So that to me means that at some point in your life, your identity as a human was broken, has been severed. And that is the troubling thing about all of that is that there are our sexuality is broken and we don't want to be honest about that. And so, again, I'm not going to get into a soapbox or the preach, but that's a I mean, that to me is a major issue that we need to talk about is the brokenness in our identities, the fracturing of our identities that we're trying to so desperately grasp a hold of through sex. And sex is not a tool to find yourself with. Or fix you or heal you. Or yeah. fi- exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I think Vince said it. It's funny in this this last album from Vince, he said it, maybe not verbatim, but he pretty much said the same thing that I had been thinking for a while when it comes to rappers or just people in general. But it's like, bro, you can't fuck the pain away. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Like if it's something deeper that you're dealing with, yeah, that's that's gratifying for the moment and it and it continues. It, it's good. It's pleasurable for the most part. Right. You know what I'm saying? But you're constantly feeling the need like any other thing, whether it's drinking or some type of drug, you're constantly feeling the need to replenish that urge and that craving because of something deeper there that maybe you don't even know. Maybe you don't even know what it is or maybe you're just so deeply in denial, like you were even saying about some of the, you know, some of the men that have been like sexually assaulted and stuff like that have just buried that thing to the point where they're even in denial, like legitimate denial that it didn't, that it never happened. Um, And so I think that that's the biggest trick of the enemy is that whatever it is, but specifically speaking on sex, is that we can run to this feeling and this thing that makes us feel good in the moment. And um, yeah, again, it's good. And for that moment, maybe you've forgotten about it. Maybe you feel good right there in the moment. But if you haven't dealt with whatever it is, then it's a continuation of that same thing. And yeah, sex is not the same as love. Sex is not the same as intimacy. It just isn't. It's, but, you know, we can use sex like canned joy. It's mm. joy in a can. Yeah. You and know. Kendrick talked about it on his album, too. Yep. It's very yeah, open. It's very about my lust addiction. Yeah. Sleeping with all these different women, thinking that, you know what I'm saying? They, I think he said they gave him gave him superpowers or whatever. But in, in that moment, especially as as I can't speak for all men, but just from my experience of being a man and being around men, the mentality is very much so. Like you even said, Senator, um, that it that it is some type of like braggadocious, like it's some type of merit or um, award or reward or something worth bragging about of just getting new and multiple women. And, um, you know, just the older I get to hear like one, I don't hang around men that's walking around talking about what hoes at and all that type of shit. Like right. I just come on, my nigga. Like I just yeah. I, I don't hang around those type of people. Right. But even thinking about like being younger and quote unquote accomplishing being able to hit somebody that was on your your list or adding them to your collection and then coming back to the hood and telling everybody like that was like little boy shit. So any grown man, even when it comes to these rappers, that's why that's why I'm holding these rappers a little bit more accountable, you know, I'm saying to the content because I'm like, it's too many names to list, but it's just like, bro. We don't care. <laughs> That's the like, other thing. I don't care. I don't care. Yeah, we don't, years, we don't, don't care. care. Like it's, it's sex, my nigga. How much of an accomplishment is that really? And unfortunately, in this day and time, it's really not that hard to get sex. Right. So you're saying it like you're like you're doing something so special. And I get it though. It's 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 just a false identity in like who you are, but it's like the money, the sex, 
the you know elitism that comes with that you know what i'm saying of just i'm better than you i'm a better person i'm a better man i'm better at doing these doing these things than you are you know you just kind of get that vibe and i understand i understand it i'm just still speaking on the fact that i don't care but i understand where it comes from because being a man i've kind of been around that mentality is this this entire time of growing up a little boy like you said being exposed to pornography or seeing like a playboy magazine or seeing late night soft porn or cinemax or hbo or whatever uncle granddaddy daddy's vhs tapes and seeing that stuff and being exposed and then it becomes this thing when you're trying to emulate what you see in that stuff that's not even real you know what i'm saying and then this is like fantasy that's been fed to you to think that a lot of this stuff that's being presented to you is like oh this is how it's going to happen to you in real life you know what i'm saying and, no. and, and, and every blue moon maybe somebody does right. have these rare moments of the the fine ass fedex ups courier coming to your door with the unbuttoned pop and it's like can i get some water it's so hot and it's like bro it's like but you're waiting your whole life for that moment and it's just like it's a fantasy bro you, or that you're, you're buying... gonna perform the same way as a as a porno star and they don't always work like yeah. that either. i mean that's that's, that's a much deeper conversation for sure i just just wanted to add on that that it's definitely like much deeper rooted uh mentality of just not knowing not knowing who you are buying into a fantasy buying into a lie also too we talked about before on the podcast it's just like men and women like what is the definitive blue book for what it means to be a man what it means to be a woman. What does that look like? Because you have so many different ideas from your grandmother to your grandfather on different sides of the family. And this uncle and this uncle said, this is being a man and this isn't being a man. And this is what women do and women don't do that. Like it's, 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 I understand for the people that's listening, I'm not trying to condemn. I understand why there's so much confusion, but at the end of the day, there is still confusion. And this is why we see in a lot of the things that we see. Yep. I know, Josh, you probably can't be as vocal as you would like to be um, since you got a little man there with you. So I want to respect that. But I also want to give you space if you have any two cents or 50 cent you want to put in it. Uh, so I was just thinking. And, you know, you are talking about the being introduced to pornography at a young age. and But just think like. And we. Times have changed so much from when we're since we were growing up and, you know, we're like eight, 10, eight to 10 years probably apart. But still, I still grew up in that era where. Being a man was sleeping with as many women as you want, as as you could, you know what I mean? Or getting as many numbers as you could at the mall that day or, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't get no bitches, you lame, you know what I mean? So. Being that our society was so tied up in in that and then even even with women being taught to tell us no you know being taught to tell us no all the time and i'm sure even that is ingrained in our heads to being like oh i can get her to say yeah or i can get her to do this or i can get her to do that um so it's just like the way society was and the way that it is now, things have changed so much. And I and I I don't even think that we're in the best times now either. But I think we need to find some type of commonplace or common ground to, you know, get in a better place when it comes to, you know, men and women relations and like being on Twitter, all you see is 
especially black men, black women arguing back and forth. This ain't right. Y'all do this. We do that. Like, and there needs to be something that bring get us all on the same page for sure. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I feel like, man, we, I don't know where we want to go with this podcast. I know we got a, got a structure, but I feel like the conversation is just taking us, you know, in a deeper yeah. hole mm-hmm. of like problematic stuff that's going on within our community as black people and black men. And it's just a society as a whole humanity. But speaking on what you're saying, Josh, like I was thinking about that more earlier because one, I, I just I can't be on Twitter anymore, bro. Like I, I like to use Twitter for business. Like I, I you see I'll screenshot hot takes and stuff like that, true or false or whatever for for uh, dialogue and conversation. But just like and it, a lot of that is who you follow. But bro, it's way and I know the word toxic is our current buzzword, but it's way too toxic. Nothing that many opinions and takes should never shift my mood and my, and make me feel a way in the way that we're conditioned. Like I've been really like getting on myself. Like I don't pick my phone up the first thing in the morning and jump on social media to see what I miss. Like I take a minute for myself to be present in my own thoughts. I pray I've been doing better at reading, trying to give myself an hour a day to just read and just be in my own thoughts before I like pick up the phone and even get on Instagram or TikTok or whatever. But Twitter, bro, like that is another level. And what I wanted to say to you, Josh, and I'm saying to both of y'all and everybody listening, I do think that it's a, a deeper, darker, hidden agenda when it comes to this black men versus black women. Like, don't get me wrong. There's always been issues in the community. And I think some women genuinely have gotten frustrated by feeling like black men as a whole don't protect them and don't look out for them like how they look out for us and how loyal they can be for us. Mm -hmm. But I still feel like there's some other party involved that's like strategically putting people in place to control this narrative because people are seeing how influential not just an individual is on social media, but how influential social media as a whole is by being able to, to generate and control popular opinion because nothing Nothing in life is more uh, influential than popular opinion. And so if you can get enough black women to say and start saying and creating a narrative around black men, you got a lot of people who don't know how to think for themselves and social media isn't making it any better. And it's this snowball effect that a lot of people adopt, even if they don't really believe it. And on the same end with men, I just don't believe that many black men and black women hate each other is what I'm trying to say. And I think that there's some other party somewhere I'm not getting into who it is within politics because I don't know, but I just don't genuinely, genuinely believe that many black men hate black women and vice versa. Are there some? Sure. But the, the, what you what you see on Twitter, Josh, and some of the stuff that I see on TikTok with these women making videos at men and men making I'm like, bro, what are y'all doing? This is horrible. There's definitely a concerted effort to keep that shit going. And you know, you know what made me realize this, right? So the list, right, that went viral years ago. Um, everything on social media is starting to come back around. You know how they used to say growing up, like styles come back. Oh, I think that's somebody's fire alarm going off. It's all good. I very, I very uh I can't even really. I heard it like initially, but we can't. I can't hear it. Like okay. That. Um, but like they used to say, styles come around. I remember like capris, like mm-hmm. capri pants and stuff like that. They used to growing up. They be like, oh, those used to be around back when I grew up, and you know things come back around. Mm-hmm. So what I'm finding on Twitter, especially, is conversations keep being brought around the same conversations. Mm-hmm. Like so, 
the brew podcast had a, a list of top 50 rappers go viral like just a, in the last couple of weeks they've been trying to make that go viral again hmm. and it it hasn't gone viral to the point it did originally but it's if you if you search deep enough you could find people talking about it like i think chuck d started talking about it again hmm. and stuff like that so it is definitely um, a concerted effort to keep these conversations going for sure. Give I think me a the, second. no worries. I think the other thing that's important to keep in mind is that social media is not reality. And that's the part that is it. But it, the scary part, Senator, it has definitely I'm not saying oh, it's it, it's alternative reality. You know, yeah, it's so al- many people. It is reality. to them. It's, it's, it's I understand all I that. I understand that. But it's not reality. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. And we have to keep that part in mind. And so what I what I mean, though, when I say that is that. It's even the same thing during the the past four or five years, where whether it's police officers murdering black people, uh, men and women and children, whether it was the Trump regime and all that political stuff that happened, like the people who feel the need to voice their opinions incessantly on social media do not reflect the reality of what happens when say for instance black people and white people meet and have a sit down and have a conversation right it's not the arguments and stuff that happen between black women black men on social media are not always indicative and a reflection of what's happening on the ground in real person when black people get around each other or have conversations and so i have to remind myself that's why i'm not on that shit, bruh, because it is designed because the algorithms and all that stuff mathematically is calculated and intentional to design to keep the conversation going because it keeps, you know, regurgitating these comments and stuff back to each other. And the people who are completely zoned in and tuned into that plugged in as, as a form of alternate reality, because again, all them clicks, all them hearts, all them likes, and stuff is still sending endorphins and dopamine and all this, you're having chemical reactions in your brain, right? That's keeping people on there, keeping your, your time on your screen time up or whatever, is that it's intentional to keep that coming. And you believe that this is really the way things are. And when you unplug from it and you, and you get out in reality, you realize that's not necessarily the reflection of the people you're having conversations with. Is there a whole lot of racism out there? Absolutely. But when I sit down and, you know, I was living, I was living in North Carolina, I was living in Augusta um, during the whole Trump era. And it exposed a lot, the reality of, of racism, even in people around me that I didn't necessarily think were racist or had racist views, you know what I'm saying? And racist beliefs. And they didn't realize it, you know, their thoughts and their ideas were as racist or as crazy as they were, right? Until there was a conversation that they had with me or with somebody and not for nothing. I always seem to kind of be like the Jackie Robinson of most places and things. I'm just the first black man that walk in and just like, you know, I, and then I speak and then, you know, mountains move. Um, But, (laughs) but what I realized though, was that a lot of that stuff that we keep seeing about the other is not always true about the other. You know, and it's the same thing I feel like with black men and black women. Are, are there real deep seated issues that we need to address? Absolutely. You know, I do think that black men do not stand up and protect black women and are not loyal the way black women are to us. And it's a large it's a hard mountain for us to climb, partly because 
the way the way black men have been treated, women have had to consistently watch their sons and their husbands die at the hands of white men. They've had to defend their black men against anything that could happen to them in this way. They've, they've had to. They've had to raise black men on their own. So for us to be able to pay back black women, it's almost like trying to pay God back. Like, how can you pay back your mama? You know what I'm saying? So on that one hand, like we will always owe black women a, a, an imparable, an irreparable debt of gratitude and love and grace. And so I understand why they feel like y'all niggas ain't really trying though. But I also can feel how black men can see some of the vindictiveness and some of the hurt and the brokenness that are within black women that also isn't always willing to, I ain't gonna say submit, but also aren't willing also to kind of like see the good in black men some at times they get you know? foul pick me's when they do that <laughs> you know so i mean there, there's stuff that's there but it isn't always it isn't always the way social media presents it and that's why i just choose to deal with reality reality yeah. i'm not dealing with alternative realities i'm not letting these people and this machine, these these doggone machines dictate how I think and feel. That's a heavy, yeah. angry. In God bless your psyche, bro. 2007, 2017, 2018. I'm sitting here, oh, I got to express my opinion on this because I'm senator. And people people are just dying to hear what I think about this. And then when you don't get likes or you don't get thumbs up or you don't, then they're like, oh, what, did, what did I say? Is it wrong? What's wrong? You start questioning yourself. You start questioning yourself. Yeah. You got to I didn't even get the comments. Guys. It didn't get the reaction I thought it was going to get. Yeah. And then you start scanning to see what other people are saying and see what they're thinking. And you got to like what they like. And this person said something similar. But man, this all these people like that. And then you start doing I this comparison. I can't deal with that. And it's the same thing. And sex is connected to it. Your explore page right now is nasty as hell. Click that doggone <laughs> magnifying glass. For you as a black man that follows hip hop artists, you ain't never, and I'm not saying that you two brothers in particular are looking at anything you shouldn't be looking to, looking at, but click on that doggone magnifying glass, bro. Your explore page is not, that's, I don't have an Instagram, but Don't Trust the Punch has an Instagram, right? Bro, I, I can't check it anymore, G-Rock. I feel you. Trust me, bro, I feel you. If I didn't have to be on there because of work, I would be, you know, a dinosaur in today's time because one, I'm so I'm so private with my personal life and stuff like that. I don't feel the need to show and tell people about, you know, my personal life like that. And then as a sneaker guy, like I understand my audience, but as I get older, I, I definitely wrestle with that because on one end, that's what people, that's my work, right? That's what people want to see. They want to see G-Rock from the shoe game. They want to see my shoes. But I'm like, bro, one, I'm so much more than just my shoes. And I just, me getting attention, it's just different. I'm just older. Like, I, I get it. It comes with the territory, but I don't desire, right? There we go. I don't desire to have attention for you know, shoes on a daily basis. Well, I put some stuff out there every now and then. Sure. I feel the most motivated to post when I'm traveling because I actually feel like I have something to share. That's like a fresh, you know, something fresh and new that I've never really seen before. And I'm sharing this with people. Um, but just on a day to day basis, I just don't feel like my life is that interesting to post on the Internet every single day. And the Internet or specific, specifically social media has made people feel like they have to. And I get it. Excuse me. A lot of people also are in, into like personal brands and influencers and seeing that they can make money. And I'm not I'm not against that either. 
But I, I just overall, not to get off topic, I just don't like social media like that. You know what I'm saying? Like I have not posted on my personal page in, in quite some time. Um, I have a child that obviously if I if I it's nothing wrong, by the way, with people who, who post their children. I think some people genuinely like are just wanting to post their children. But I think that some people also use their children for like attention and like they're trying to get like like notoriety off their kid. And I'm just too protective of I'm just too protective of a person to want to like just just be doing that just for the sake of it. Like I just started, I got so much footage of his shoes and y'all know this man ain't got a crazy shoe game. And I just started putting some stuff. I just posted like the other day, I just posted like shoes that was on his personal page of just his personal page is just his shoes, by the way. Mm. Um, I just posted that more got there, you know what I'm saying? Just, just because it's been a long time coming, but it's his shoes and, and I get it. But my, my point is, I think that social media just makes people feel like they have to post their children their husband, their wives, the side chick, the this, their, their bodies, the like, you know what I'm you, saying? Bro, you like some stuff can definitely be a mystery. Some stuff can still make, make you use your imagination and have some like mystique around it. And maybe I'm just old and, and dated in that sense, but it's just too much for me, bro. And I just, I just, like I told Josh, I, I can't do Twitter anymore. I actually got somebody that's going to take over the Twitter account. Um, you know, I'm still doing Instagram. I'm still doing TikTok, but it's just it's too much. It could be entertaining. But overall, I've seen the effects that it's had on my mental health. I've seen the comparisons. I've seen the jealousy. I've seen all the stuff that shouldn't be happening from me using this damn app. You right. know what I'm saying? And I've, I've seen powerful and positive benefits, but I've also seen a lot of negative things within myself and people that I know. Yeah, see me, I'm rarely on like IG. Um Twitter is my main social media platform. You got that thick skin, boy. Yeah, so yeah, you do. But like you said, sometimes <laughs> it's all about, opinions. Like it's at least about Instagram, who you, you follow, though. But but Twitter is a lot of jokes as well. That's man. true. There's a lot of jokes. It's definitely a lot of jokes. But you got to find the right pockets because if you if you yeah. find the right pocket to stay in, if it's all jokes, then cool. But when you get in the the toxic complaining this and the racism and the this and the that and the exposing and the cancel culture and the shea butter Twitter mixed with the this and the that it's just it could be a lot, bruh. Yeah, I, I I guess I I'm good at blocking some of that stuff out. Like I see it, but I just keep scrolling until I find something else that interests That's what's me, up. I'm I'm really so, I'm proud to hear that because everybody, if they're being honest with themselves, they can't. I mean, again, we could go deeper down that hole, but bro, just look at the influence of you know, I guess it kind of maybe starts with the Kardashians to just like the altering of the bodies now. Like that's just so normal now. We're not it's living in so reality. It's so normal. And, and, I and nothing wrong IG. with plastic surgery, but so many people again are doing this because they feel like this is what they are supposed to be doing it. Yeah. If you want a fatter ass, go get a fatter ass, but get that ass because that's what you want. Mm-hmm. Not because that's what you feel less than. Yep. Because well, I've been trying to get married. I've been looking for a man or whatever, whatever, whatever. And you know, I know I'm a better girl than her, and she got all these niggas and this, that, and the third. So I'm gonna go get me an ass too. Like I just, oh, it's just. But I still even, uh, Josh, go ahead and finish your point, cause you know, go ahead. But I think, I think IG, at least for me, is the worst for that because IG is like just a highlight reel, right? Mm-hmm. And people get so caught up in that, like, ah, oh, this person is this, 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 and that. Whenever they post on IG, mm-hmm. what about when they not posting on IG, like? Obviously, they're not sharing that stuff for a reason. You know what I mean? So it's like everybody's life isn't perfect. And stop thinking that because that's what you see on IG. Um, 
like I'm more so I've more so become like a stare, a, a story sharer on IG versus like a post. Like mm-hmm. I'll post my workout. I'll post like when I'm at the shop, I post like shoes and stuff like that. Um, I might if me and Jace are out the, outside doing something, I might post that. But other than that, I'm not a big share on, you know, IG and especially mm-hmm. not post wise. Like I'm posting this going to disappear in 24 hours and I'm mm-hmm. going about my business. But I've, I've come to find out, like even when I used to post like my jump roping videos, I'm, I'm mad I can't do it uh, right now. But people people reach out to me like, hey, man, I see you jump roping like, hey, that really motivated me. Like so the workout stuff I've been even but even starting off with that, like you you be insecure with that like man do i want to share my workout stuff every day like is it too much am i doing too much but then i'm like once i see people are getting motivated by it i'm like yeah let me share mm-hmm. this you know yeah. what i mean yes there are good things and i think in some ways that was the original intention the original vision and desire right with social media is the connectivity that we can have as humans and we can share and think about the amazing things that we have in common and that we can accomplish both as just humans in general, but also humans together. Mm. So there is beautiful things within social media. Uh, And G-Rock, you know, for a person whose business has come through the use of the internet and social media, like you said, it's powerful thing. It's it's changed your entire life. It's given Mm. you the ability to do things for your life, to put food on the table for your family. I mean, it's, it's allowed you to travel. It's allowed you to meet all sorts of amazing and interesting people. Like, and for a lot of young people, it's allowing them to showcase their talent and to also to make bread. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I think the the part of it, too, and this is where, you know, everything that humans do is going to contain brokenness because we're broken. Right. There's there's just parts of us. There's part a, a sincere side of human nature that has a proclivity for destruction and self-destruction behavior of missing the point of what it means to truly be human. Um, and that is, I think is the part that scares me because that proclivity and that tendency is a part of what we automatically draw to and what makes money and what gets clicks and what gets likes is the mess. You know what I'm saying? And that's what we want to hear. And that's what we want to worship a lot of times for whatever reason. And that's the problem I have with plastic surgery. Now, if it's reconstructive surgery, or there's some sort of issue, I, I get that, right? But like, even when it comes to like getting a getting a boob job or getting um, getting a butt lift, like I feel like, but who told you that your who told you that your ass was wrong? Like that, I think about that, and of course, you know, I, hey, I'm a preacher, so I'll ask this question. Like, it's the same thing that the serpent at that you know that God told Adam and Eve. Who told you you were naked? Where'd you get that from? Mm-hmm. Where did, did, where did, how, at what point did your identity get broken? Who told you your titties was wrong? Who told you that? Where did this comparison or did this breaking point in your mind and in your self-confidence, where does that come from? And that's the part that people don't want it. They don't want to sit with that. They don't want to deal with that part because all of this stuff, everything that we've been talking about is the part that my identity as a person is based on things that are fragile and sinking sand that will not last. Your sexuality is not your identity. Your body is not your identity. These cars, these clothes, uh, uh, the money is not your identity. 
And you've got to, we got to, I have to base my identity on that thing that will last. Now for me, it is that I am fearfully and wonderfully made in God's image and likeness. For me, that is an identity that's not based on anybody. No one can take that from me because nobody gave that to me. That's not, that's not man-made. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's the problem, but nobody wants to hear that because living a, a fully integrated life, fully alive as a human being requires that every day I got to look in that mirror. I have to affirm myself. I have to believe in myself. I have to talk to myself. And at times I'm going to, when I can't see myself, I'm going to have to see a higher power. And that requires work. Instead of me reaching into the refrigerator and grabbing another tasty bottle of canned joy. Hmm. It's canned joy, my niggas. That's the name of this episode, by the way. Canned joy. Pornography, canned joy. Social media, canned joy. Sex, without love, devoid of love and commitment, canned joy. Zay done got us down a rabbit hole, man. Yeah. Bro, I didn't even, I don't even know. I, I had no idea. I can't even remember where this started. But this is beautiful. And this is this is the type of stuff that you're really not gonna hear on the on a typical podcast that started off, you know, talking about hip hop topics. Like this definitely could bless a lot of people, like to be honest. And um, and it's needed. It's just something that people aren't talking about, it's things that are uncomfortable to talk about things that you need to hear things that people can you know stay in denial about because they're just not trying to hear it at that particular time and like senator said you don't want to put the work in um but yeah there, there's there's conviction even just hearing it you know what i'm saying on on the podcast because so much of it is relatable and you can definitely be tricked to thinking that this alternative reality is like like, like we talked about josh you had stepped away for a quick moment but you know, Senator was saying that how it's not real, but I was saying like, overall, we all can agree, but for so many people, you can't tell them that like this social media, this is legitimately, this has replaced, this is the new reality. Let's say that I won't say replaced, but this is the new reality for a lot of people to the point where you have friends and family that will be highly upset with you if you're not following them or if you unfollowed them or if you didn't like a post or you didn't tell them happy birthday on their post, but you actually called them and told them happy birthday. Like, it's like, bro, how crazy is that? But this is shifting. This is unfortunately, this is evolving, you know, uh, society and humanity on, on how we communicate and things that are now acceptable and in, in the norm. And it's, it's scary to think that that's that's how our, you know, children are. I, I just I can't imagine like I'll, I'll be 40 in September. And I've known the things that I've struggled with since really being on social media, specifically once Instagram came into place. Because even like Josh was saying, like Twitter for the most part was like jokes and whatever. It was a little bit of everything. But if you didn't follow certain people, you weren't going to see certain conversations. I always followed a bunch of sneaker people. So I typically saw like a bunch of sneaker stuff. But um, Instagram really came in and just restructured reality and put a lot of things on a bigger stage. And I just think about like, can y'all imagine us growing up, right? We're all grown ass men now, but can y'all imagine us being 12, 13, like you said, Senator, you know what I'm saying? Being exposed to pornography at 13, the traditional VHS way, or being able to just Google certain stuff now or be in certain chats or Reddits or whatever and just see like 
different levels, different levels of pornography. Because, you know, I don't want to say I'm thankful that I was exposed to pornography, but the, the type of pornography that I was exposed to was quote unquote normal, as opposed to some of the other stuff that exists that's out there. Yeah. So it's just not to instill fear, man, but it's, it's things that I think about. Like I have a child that'll be two in September and I'm just like, <sighs> like you want to think about the positive stuff, but the reality is like, yo, he's going to be on these new technologies and metaverses and I can't control. My mom couldn't control. And I had to sneak that VHS. Right, you understand? Right, I had right. to sneak and find the time to put that in the, in the VHS, in the, um, in the VCR and hope it didn't get stuck and all that good stuff or whatever. Like I had to strategically set a plan to watch that pornography. Now, like you just said, Senator, Google sex, bro. Sex, sex is not a bad thing. Like you said, it's not a bad thing, but you Google sex, sex will give you some, some different, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Visuals for a child. that's just curious. Hey, I heard my mom and my dad say sex. I heard one of the kids say sex at school. So it's just, I don't know. My point is like, Social media as a whole and its influence has definitely become the new reality. That was my original point. And then it's just also scary to think how it makes people think because people go to social media now. It is it's it's people's stylists, it's people's, you know, therapists, it's people's, you know, safe space, as you would say, Senator. It's like all it's all these different things, you know, and some of it may have some good benefit, but some of it I feel like is flawed because. Like we already addressed a, a, a lot, not all. A lot of it is fabrication. A lot of it is fake. A lot of it is a flash in the pan. It's just, you know, for some people, it's a finesse. It's just to appear to be one way, but this right. is actually not my real life. Or this is only a portion of my real life. The rest of my life don't look like the stuff that I'm posting on Instagram. Right. So it's, it's just, it's just, it's scary and concerning, man. I want to move us along because I know we're we're you know time has is getting it's getting to that point. Uh, I don't think we want to move into all these other different topics because we could talk about them for ages. Um, geez, let's talk about. I don't even one know more. where we go from here. Yeah, <laughs> well, let's just stay with the heavy, and then maybe we'll get something. I'll I'll choose one of these lighter topics and then fishbowl the fun. So maybe three things. Right. Um, I think we would be remiss. Um, if we were recounting the things of last week and we did not talk about the tragic massacre and shooting in um, Uvalde, Texas, right? I know for UG Rock, that hits really, you know, pretty close to home. Um, it's in the state that you currently reside. And for all of us here as Americans, it hits home. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's like, on this podcast, it seems like two weeks in a row, you know, we're not scared to pray or have moments for real moments of silence on this, on this show, but I don't want them to, I don't want them to become, uh, I don't want it to become gimmicky. I don't want it to be Cliche. where, yeah, exactly. Like this is not thoughts and prayers here. You know, yeah. um, this is, this is for real prayers. This is for real sending light. This is for real um, contemplation and sincerity about, some of the tragic things that are happening in our nation and it's with our, with our children, man. And I think the reality, you know, uh, the, the, the real results and consequence of this brokenness and identity, this lack of safe spaces, this inability for us to be able to, to ask real questions and deal with the real issues um, is that we sacrifice our children at these altars, you know, um, whether it be mental health, 
whether it's dealing with the large proliferation and promulgation of violence in every aspect of our media, in our country, um, the proliferation, we talked about this last week, the proliferation of weapons and that we feel like we're entitled to these things, um, even when we see the effect that it has on our children. Um, other countries around the world don't deal with this, guys. Other developed nations, I will say, don't deal with this, right? Um, and, there, and I think for me, the reason why is obvious. Um, you know, one is this, we don't have this mass proliferation of weapons in other countries, right? You just don't have access to guns. Um, and the other part too, is that many other nations were not predicated and built upon this kind of cowboy mindset of, well, if we want it, we'll just kill and we'll take it. You know, and that's, I mean, that's really this, I mean, that's the story of America. Um, so, uh, are there any, yeah, any thoughts yeah. or any comments on that real quickly? And then, I mean, we will take some time to, you know, for silence, but. Yeah, it just sucks, man, that people want to get clout from doing shit like this. Um, and I pretty much got the same feelings I had last week, man. Um. Fuck them. Um, I just keep it at that. Yeah. I don't know, bro. It's yeah, I really don't know exactly what to say that I haven't already said before. You know, it's scary to think that you know you you drop your children off at elementary school. You grocery shopping, just minding your business. And that's scary. Not that we need to be living in fear, but that's that's scary. I'm interested, Senator, I don't know if, if you feel like you know what the answer is. Like, how do we combat this? How does how do how do we even begin? Where do we start on trying to, like, correct? You know, I saw um I don't know, some chart that was floating around of saying like all these different mass shootings were all done with AR-15s. And it was a lot. It was a lot of stuff from Sandy Hook all the way up until last week. So that's my thing more than any, anything. Me talking about how messed up it is, like that's the obvious. Like we all can agree on that. But it's just like, how could we, I don't want to say prevent it, but like, where do we start on trying to like combat this constant, repetitive, I don't even want to say narrative, fucking reality at this mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. So that's more what I've been thinking about. It's just like lots of people, you know, complaining and prayers and all that stuff is, is, is wonderful. I'm not, I'm not disrespecting any of that, but I'm like, yo, how do we actually, what happens where we can like, minimize this from happening where this isn't normal like this is bro like we was like you said we was just talking about buffalo and then i saw something on instagram and i was like nah hell no nah. turn on cnn i'm like and we see it and i'm not speaking for all of us but people see it some people majority i don't know 
My point is, it's starting to desensitize people. It's starting to become normal. On some fucking the heart part five. I mean, but that's just culture. That's just. And if you really want to do a deep dive based off what you said, Senator America, ain't this what the fuck y'all taught us? Right. Which is even the deeper, sinister, scary part about it. Motherfuckers really just doing like just staying true to history. Right. We shoot up and kill shit. And just sometimes you can try to justify it. And sometimes this is what I want to do. I, you know, I wish I had a I wish I had an answer for the deep because I, I think there's a legislative answer. Right. Which I think is part of what you're asking, G-Rock. And I, I think that legislative answer is we America is going to have to really confront the Second Amendment. We're going to have to rethink the proliferation of guns. I'm not saying that people can that it should be illegal for people to own a gun. I mean, that's not what I'm saying. I personally wouldn't. I don't think I would ever own a gun unless I lived way out somewhere and I became a person that, that would hunt. And even even though I do have a desire to learn how to hunt and to be able to harvest my own food, I really want to learn how to garden and grow food. But um, I would always bow hunt. I just think if we want to get in touch with our ancestors and what they had to do, and if you want to give this other living thing a fighting chance, get out there with a bow and arrow and see what it really is to hunt something. Hmm. But that's a whole nother conversation. Right. But I think the boy just turned 18. And the first thing he did was he bought two AR-15s and it was easy for him. How is that possible? That's like being 18 years old. And I guess now you could. I mean, technically, as an 18 year old, you could go purchase a Ferrari. But like an 18 year old with a Ferrari is bound to make a horrible decision. So I just don't, I don't, something there from, like I said, a legislative standpoint, we're going to have to deal with that, you know, otherwise, as I said that when, when Sandy Hook happened and we had a chance to really confront it then, and we didn't, I said to my mom, I said, we sacrificed our children on the altar of our so-called individual rights. We sat right there. We burned our children to the altar of our own selfish individual liberties we did not see the bigger picture we did not consider the full the full the full gamut and repercussions of this but because we want to keep our rights america and all this other nonsense right children have repeatedly been killed and it's always going to be the vulnerable the marginalized the the yeah the the quote-unquote weak in the equation with this particular young boy, you know, he's 18. He was definitely deeply disturbed. I don't think he had, I mean, clout has something to do with it, but honestly, it couldn't have been clout because he shot his grandmother before he left. There's no way he could have thought he was going to leave out of that thing either alive. I mean, I, you know, there's no way. I mean, I think his intention was I'm going to either die in a hail of bullets, right? Or at some point I'm going to get to a place and I'll end my life. Because there's no way he could have thought that there wasn't going to be an infinite man chase. I mean, manhunt for him. There's no way he thought. I kind of think, especially, um, and I'm not even, you know, up on all the details and stuff of this, but I'll say this. When the white people are committing these, you know, mass shootings, I don't think that they think they're going to get killed. They think they're, a lot of times they getting taken out in cuffs. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So it's like they don't even have that fear of being killed after doing acts like this. Well, you're right about that part, too, Josh. I mean, race does play a factor. The interesting thing about this particular incident, because I won't lie to you, I keep a thou wow. As soon as I heard it, well, there's something else I want to talk about, too. But when I when I heard it, it was like, okay, there's got to be another white man with a gun because mm-hmm. it almost always is. It almost always is. Right. And I was shocked. to, to OK, this is a little Latino boy. Right. Um, the intersectionality between uh, sexuality and mental health seems to be a part of this narrative as well, because there are some things that said that this boy. Um, was struggling with his sexuality, maybe even was doing like, you know, experimenting with 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 transgender um, or cross-dressing. I think cross-dressing isn't a safe word, isn't a politically correct or appropriate term to use. So I apologize for listeners um, that I offended with that. But I don't know, but there was some, he was questioning his gender and his sexuality, but didn't have a place or anyone to talk to about that. I mean, he had been cutting his face, you know what I'm saying? And, and doing practicing self-mutilation. Um, and you know, was talking about it on Facebook or whatever with a friend and a friend told him straight up like, bro, what's wrong with you? Like, you need to get help. Like what's going on. But, and his, I don't think his, I think the socioeconomic reality was that he was staying with his grandmother. And I don't think his grandmother or anybody could really didn't have the money to probably get the boy any help or didn't know the resources. And if he's, and if he's really like Latino and maybe he's like first generation American and his grandmother's from the old country. She might not have had any of the knowledge or the upbringing to be able to help the boy. So there's just all of these factors that come into it. And that's why I say like the brokenness of humanity on an individual basis, the brokenness of America on a communal corporate basis means, man, having so much access to weapons so easily. That's the scary part. Is yeah. we live in a country where you can go get a gun, bro. If you live in the South, they have gun shows. You don't even have to go do all the check. You just like with a sneaker, you buy, sell, trade at a sneaker convention or whatever. They got gun conventions. You go into the parking lot, someone pop the trunk and be like, well, what you got? I got a 38 right here. Got an AR right here. Got what you need. You ain't yeah. got to walk in there. You ain't got to show no ID for that. Yeah. And that's my problem or my issue with people. Because I think the, the narrative that I've been seeing, people's like, oh, and I agree, by the way, that it should be harder for you to get a gun through, you know, background checks and, you know, even even a, a mental, you know, mental health check, you know, of, of just running to make sure you even are somebody that should have a gun in your possession. But even if they implemented that tomorrow, there's so many guns that's already in the streets. And it's like you said, it's so easy. Again, there's another another transparency moment. We don't have to go into another G-Rock story, but I got my first gun at i don't know 16 17 why i don't know i didn't need it i wasn't that paranoid but on some you know talk about being broken and you know just feeling like this is some some man type stuff i'm supposed to have one it was a little throwaway a little janky ass gun too that motherfucker was like i I probably paid like 30 dollars for that shit but my point is i was in high school bro i was like maybe in 10th 11th grade it was too easy to get that gun. Now, I didn't have any ill intent or want to harm anybody. Wasn't even really carrying it like that. I only had it for a little while because it was so shoddy. I needed to get rid of it. It was probably one of the most unsafe guns I've ever had in my my life. And I haven't had a whole lot of guns. I have a gun now just strictly for, like, protecting the house in the event. Go to the gun range, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, yo, I hope I never have to point this at anybody. Mm-hmm. But my point is that 
it was way too easy for me to get a gun at 16 or however old I was. And even if they do implement these background checks and checking people's mental and stuff like that, I just feel like there's so many guns already in the streets. And that's where I'm at a place where I just don't really know what to say. Cause it's just like, how do we, you know, realistically right Not on some Marvel comics type shit where somebody, you know, gunman comes through and he's getting all the guns out the streets or whatever. But it's just like, that's the part where I'm conflicted and I just don't really well, have gun- an answer. I mean, there are major, major companies and industries that design weapons, you know what I'm saying? And so if those if there was a limitation on the type of weapons or the amount of weapons that they could create, that would be one part. The other part is that guns fire bullets. And so how much ammo or the creation of ammo or the type of ammo that can be legally manufactured in this country is another way that legislation could enforce that so that the weapons that are out there, right, um, are not so easily used because you got to think about even think about this though when's when was the last mass shooting performed with an illegally obtained gun Hmm. that's that's a big ass question because all the ones i really can remember they were made with legal guns so it's like you i always this is kind of my thinking, like criminals are going to be criminals or people are going if they're going to buy their guns illegally, they're going to buy their guns illegally. But it's like with these mass shootings, things are being done with legally purchased guns. So it's like I think the focus needs to be on some type of reform or, you know, stricter, you know, background checks or something when it comes to being when buying stuff legally. Um, I feel like. Illegal stuff. You know, they get caught, they're going to get, you know, prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Mm-hmm. And they should. Yeah, and they should. But it's like, it's it's the people buying the shit legally and then doing some negative stuff with it that mm-hmm. seems to be the problem. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And that's why I said, I think there's there's a very, to me, the legislat- legislative answer is quite easy. I mean, it's <laughs> this is something I've been saying. It's not simple, but it's obvious. But it's money, bro. The NRA and gun manufacturing companies are some of the biggest lobbyists since big since tobacco. Mm-hmm. There's some of the they put in there are lining senators pockets, con- congressional people's pockets in order to get that. And there are a lot of interest of especially white American men around this country who do not want you to take away their guns. Because I'm American, I have a right. To be able to shoot whatever the hell I want to shoot. Yeah. And we sacrifice, we keep sacrificing our children because we keep obfuscating the issue and all this other type of stuff. And now it's a it's even more divisive because it's well, if it's a blue, well, I don't want to do it because Joe Biden said I gotta do it. Now I don't trust Joe Biden, that ain't my president. Or now, or I want to do it, I want gun reform. Well, that means you're a liberal dribble, or you you now you're conservative if you use guns, and then now it's all this other stuff that confuses the obvious issue, which is that people, children are dying and it shouldn't be this hard for us to deal with something that to me is should be quite quite obvious for us one last thing on this and then we'll take 30 seconds and then i guess guys we should do fishbowl of fun man i mean there's other yeah, things let's we'll, get straight to fishbowl yeah. of fun. um the desensitate the other reaction that i had besides assuming that the shooter was white 
um, was that when you first texted it to, to me, G-Rock, the, the news clip, I think it said two dead, 14 injured or something like that, right? God forgive me, but my first thought, and, and it was interesting because a preacher said this yesterday at church, and I and it hit me in the chest because I said the same thing. I was like, well, that's not that bad. Mm-hmm. That's how, but that's how, like, that's how messed up it is. Yeah. How desensitized we are to death, mm-hmm. you know, and, and not just death, but like violence, mass violence. We are desensitized. Now, in the, in the, in the 20th century, the reality was global war. You know, our grandmother's generation, grandfather's generation, it was World War I and II, where the world had never seen that many people die. But it was a nation against nation. It was war. Now we ain't got to wait. In the 21st century, the scary thing is not war that looms in the background. Russia and Ukraine is not the scariest thing. It's going to the grocery store. It's dropping your child off at elementary school. And it just keeps getting worse and worse. And we won't deal with these root issues, the brokenness inside us in in terms of our identity and who we are and how we feel about ourselves and the brokenness in our societies and in our nations collectively. We just, we don't, we keep reaching for canned joy and we won't deal with these, 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 these decrepit parts of our hearts. 30 seconds, brothers. Um, to pray. We, we encourage you listeners to participate with us whenever you're hearing this. Um, even if it's weeks and weeks, please take time to, to pray. 30 seconds. Thank you, gentlemen. Oh, man. Just definitely just praying for revival. Praying praying for revival. Here it is, folks. Our final moment, fishbowl of fun. Let's get into it. Please let this be a lighthearted and fun one. (laughs) Yeah, or it could be something equally dramatic. Huh. Okay, here we go. I don't know if this, I don't know if this is going to be, it depends how you take it. What's one thing you wish you could change about yourself? What's one thing you wish you could change about yourself? Sorry, guys, the fishbowl of fun wants us to be heavy, heavy night, man. <laughs> Some deep introspective thoughts. For me, one moment. For me, I definitely would say, I guess, I guess it's still all connected to, you know, ego. But because of ego, it can it can blind you from reality and make you arrogant in certain areas. And for me, I think. And this goes further back than just as an adult, but just me thinking I knew more than I really knew me thinking that I was uh, smarter than I really was. And me even fooling myself and tricking myself out of learning 
more because I, I figured out ways to kind of like not necessarily beat the system, but maybe like to take shortcuts or learn just enough. And, you know, as a as a adult, I can see how I, you know, I can see how I played myself. And it's it, it, it was me tricking myself out of a lot of different things. So if I could change that mindset, you know, I, I definitely would be a different person um, and have like a way um, different view on how I like, approach like learning certain things. And that's just something I had to like really analyze with myself and be like, you learn like just enough sometimes. You don't like, you don't never really finish the whole textbook. You're like, oh, okay, cool. This is how I do that. I right, bet. And it's like, but what about, what about these other parts too? Maybe you don't need them right now, but like you might need them down the road. Like, why don't you learn those too? Nah, I'm straight. I, you know, and so, yeah, I would say that's something about myself, but it still just goes like, it's, we're not going to find, we're not going to go down the rabbit holes again, but it's really, it's really make no mistake. My fucking ego. Yeah. And I try to deal with that shit every single day. Trust me. And it's an interesting thing too, G-Rock, because I think it also speaks to your intelligence and a bit of your giftedness, you know, because gifted learners do the same thing. Like, you know, they, you can't teach them the same conventional ways or whatever, because their intelligence makes leaps, right. And connecting points to stuff that is, um, that's relevant and important to them. And you trying to teach them a systematic approach, but their minds don't, do systems their minds leap and connect dots not in this conventional way right and i think also you coming from the environment that you came from and how you know your upbringing i think you had to make make least most of us as black men black people have had to that's not to excuse you right i think what you're saying is that you desire and you wish you had a stronger desire to love learning and to be and to be full in that right um and not to make assumptions but I also think it, it just to encourage you in the midst of that, I think it does speak to your intelligence. No, I appreciate it. And it's never right. too late, you know what I'm saying? But I just think like in the position that I am now, like one, I'm always trying to like better myself and be honest with myself, you know, those good things. And even more so those like things maybe you don't want people to know or things that you just may struggle with and, and not trying to be in denial about it and stuff like that. And I just know like men in general, like ego is just a big part like all of us, you know, some some men are in denial, but I've been around enough men, even men that were in denial that said they don't have an ego. I'm like, bro, the fact that you're telling me you don't have an ego lets me know how deeply lost you are in your ego. Mm -hmm. And I'm even reading a book right now that I've had for quite some time, but I just started over because I was just like BSing with reading it. I was just reading pieces here and there, but it's called Ego is the Enemy. And I'm just doing a deep dive, bro. And it's just like a slap in the face, a slap in the face. Like, oh, just be real with yourself. Don't be in denial. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, damn, that's you. Maybe it doesn't feel good, but it's just like, at least you can recognize and start there. Like, bro, that line right there, that's you all day. You know what I'm saying? Deal with it. But that's why I say like the root of it, like I just pinpointed that part of it, but I just, it all still stems from ego. Word. Um, I think with me, um, chill out, Jace. Um, we got a new co-host, y'all. <laughs> right. With me, it's it's all about just being intentional. Um, I'm going through a, a bunch of. All right, now you start doing too much. 
um, just being intentional about making changes. Um, I'm going through a lot of changes right now in my life. So just trying to be intentional on getting better. Um, and like G rock said, like, stop being in denial about, you know, shit that I do. Um, I'm calling it out. Um, I'm in, I got a therapy session tomorrow. So I hey. found a new therapist. Um, How long you been doing therapy? If you don't mind me asking. So I had went um, initially to a different therapist. I think I did like two or three sessions. She, I don't think she was the best therapist for me. Um, so I found a new one and this is my third session with this newer one. So is it a black, is it a black woman, Josh? Yes, both of them. Uh, the one now, she might be mixed with something, but she's de she's de definitely black. Um, Did you intentionally seek out a, a black woman for your therapist? Yes. I want to talk. I want to ask you why. I wanted to ask. I want to ask you. Well, I'll ask you why. Oh, so, yeah. So I could go into that now. Um, I didn't want a male because I I didn't want someone <laughs> who had the who would be more likely to think like me or, you know, agree with me. Um, I just wanted a black woman, you know, opinion or, you know, aspect of therapy. So, and I think, I think that was the right decision for sure. Um, they, they just bring up different, you know, thoughts and feelings that I didn't think about. Give, she's giving me homework to do. So I just think overall, that was the right choice for me. I've heard, you know, different people say they want, you know, different, they're black male, you know, things like that. But I think a black woman was definitely for me. Part of the reason, because I love black women, like um, I'm, I'm gonna be with the black woman, you know what I mean? So I don't really even date outside of, of that, so. I wanted that. I wanted to become a better communicator, a more effective communicator. Um, so I'm working, man. I'm working. That's what's up. That's what's up. Yeah. I mean, there are a few things I can I want to change about myself. And some of those things are in my power. I've just been lazy. And so I think the core, I think, is for me is like inconsistency. Um, so just want to find want to remain strong in, in like doing the things that I know to do and acknowledging the power that's been given, you know, to me and in me to be able to one, accept myself. Right. But also to have the courage to make, to change the things that are within my power to change, you know what I'm saying? And not just get down about them and let those things push me to anger or to such despair or hopelessness to where I say, well, either this is never going to change. So then fuck it. I'm going to do, I'm going I'm to reach for can joy because this will, you know, this will make me forget. And I can always just kind of get through it with this and cover it up. And that, you know, to me, I I'm finding more and more like, that is the enemy of what I really desire. What I really desire, and I'm finding this is a part of my personality as well. Uh, I'm curious about the Enneagram. Have either one of you have done the Enneagram or have you heard of this? This uh, We'll talk about the Enneagram another day. But um, I'm finding with my personality and my type on the Enneagram, which is a seven, is that the thing that I desire the most is, is, is satisfaction, is joy. 
is to feel fulfilled in, in me and who I am and what I do. But I find that with my other, my personality, my, the enemy to my, to fulfilling my desire is often inconsistency that then, uh, will uh, diminish itself or choose to or resolve itself to just gluttony to just oh can joy give me all of the can joy that you can give me you know what i'm saying instead of doing the work because i'm a, i want to avoid pain whatever that pain may be the hard work you know the suffering that it takes to get be more physically fit the suffering that it takes maybe to maintain relationships the suffering that it takes when i say suffering not like the, you know, just doing the hard shit, like yeah. the, the the weight or patience or whatever, like, um, but that inconsistency it, for me, I've noticed throughout my life is it's hard, man. It's hard. It's just, it's like a stronghold in me that I have to work on more and more and deal with like, no man, the things that matter to you and you reaching your goal is going to require, it's going to require a little bit of pain. It's going to require a little bit of suffering. It's going to require a little bit of having to stay the course until you get the result and the thing you want. And it's there for you, you know, and something, and also like having to accept, like there's, there might be some things in my life that aren't there for me. And that's, I mean, especially this past week, that's been really hard. It's been very hard, but. I think I'm gonna listen to uh, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. I, right, <laughs> I feel like that album is, is not, again not the one we wanted, but the one we needed. We needed. Now, for sure, this, this, episode, a, this episode was yeah. a, a therapy session in, in yeah. itself. Yeah, we needed it, man. And uh, thank you, all you listeners, if you sat through this episode, um, didn't wasn't filled with maybe all of the funnies and stuff that we normally do or just a hip hop talk, but. Part of what Don't Trust the Punch is, is, you know, three men started with two, but now, thank God, three men who are just connected um, through our friendship, through the wonders of this technology, just to be able to talk about real life and the stuff that matters to us, man. And so this episode was really, it was a pleasure to do it with y'all. I feel better than I, I feel better coming out of it than I did going into it, if I can be transparent. But this is also, I think, indicative of what I, I always hope that Don't Trust the Punch could be. So thanks. Word. Yeah, nice talking. Uh, got a lot off our chest, man. Yeah, we did. It was a therapy session, man. Heaviest episode, heaviest episode so far. Yeah. Easily. Thanks, y'all, for though. listening. Thanks for listening. We'll see y'all again next week. Peace. Peace out. <laughs>